What's up? It's episode 90, Pain Points of Wealth, and the Who once said, there ain't no time for the summertime blues. Well, guess what? The stock market didn't get the memo. We're still seeing tremendous volatility in stocks right now. As earnings season is upon us, it could be the most critical earnings season of the year. Give us a purview into what's going to happen in the economy the rest of the year. Well, of course, we're going to give you our thoughts today, how you should position your portfolio right now to protect yourself, but grow your money. And on the tipping point today, we're going to give you some practical tips some steps to ensure you're going to be financially independent. Check it out. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Well, here's the thing, guys. Jamie Dimon, who's the chief executive officer of the largest bank in the country, J.P. Morgan, says, you know, when you talk to businesses right now, they're in good shape. They're doing really fine. Matter of fact, he quote unquote said, we've never seen business credit better in our lifetimes. They see no signs of recession in any business, in their business. But he then came out and said, well, we're going to prepare for one just in case, because there could be an economic hurricane on the horizon. So he's got like, uh, you know, the tale of two cities here. Yeah, well, I think the key word there is could be, and let's be real, bankers are very, very conservative, right? I mean, even during the pandemic, they put huge reserves up just in case they had lots of defaults on their loans. And then as we know, months later, as the economy started to shape up again, they were able to get rid of those reserves. So, you know, just because someone's preparing for a hurricane that might happen, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, talking to a lot of my clients, and a lot of our clients are business owners, they're saying the same thing. They have more business than they know what to do with. And they're not worried about their business, not worried about the viability of their business, but their portfolio is another story. Everybody's concerned about their portfolios now. Well, here's the thing, guys. It's not about the current environment. It's about the outlook, and the outlook is uncertain, right? We have high inflation, highest inflation in 40 years. We have this fear that the Federal Reserve is going to keep upping interest rates. And that's really what it's all about. It's all about the fear of what could happen next. But meanwhile, all this is already priced in the market. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's been going straight down now for six months. And, you know, one of my mentors, one of my heroes in the investment and economics business is Dr. Jeremy Siegel. He says valuations are wonderful right now. He said, if you're an investor, he said, you know, go in and buy. You don't have to worry about this uncertainty in this fear. Well, I read that same piece, Bob, and Dr. Siegel, big fan as well. And I think the big message here is, and this is what you're hearing a lot about right now, is are we going into stagflation? Is this the 70s, right? And we had this wage, they call it price spiral where it's great your wages went up, but the problem is prices went up faster and it happened for literally over a decade. And I think the reality of it is what he's saying and what we've been saying week after week is we're going to go into what I call that great equilibrium, where inflation, in fact, and we've said this week after week, is probably coming down this year. We're already seeing it. We've said this in commodity prices. As we're recording this podcast, oil has plummeted. So when you start thinking forward-looking as an investor, we say this all the time, you should always be thinking forward-looking well, that inflation is going to start to go away. But, you know, I've been talking to business owners too, Chris. You're talking about business owners. The biggest issue here is the labor market. It's so hard to find people. That labor market's going to stay strong. These are positives. You know what, Ryan? I was talking to a client of mine yesterday. They own a physical therapy business down here in the Philadelphia area, and they've been trying to replace two of their people for over six months now. You know, Chris, I'm a little confused because Ryan said this isn't the 70s. 
But, you know, we were up last week. We were on Charles Payne on Fox Business, and I stayed overnight at your brother's apartment. And I was in his closet. It looks like the 70s in his closet. My God, you ever see the clothes this kid wears? Well, I think Ryan gets confused, Dad, because you've had the same haircut since the 1970s. I'm pretty sure polyester is back in fashion, just saying. And Bob liked the disco ball in his bedroom, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. But no, I think that's the bottom line here is the question is, and to your point, Bob, like the uncertainty is high. And the question is, are we going to fall off a cliff from these levels? And I love these strategists and analysts out there, Bob. You sent me a report from Merrill Lynch, our alma mater. And now that the market's already down over 20%, guess what they're predicting? <laughs> the S&P is going to be down 20, 25% this year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the memo uh, about six months too late. I know. How does that help anybody in terms of investing? You know, the market's about 100 points above where we think it'll be by year end. Like, wow, what an optimistic forecast. Meanwhile, what about the dividends and interest that you make on your portfolio while you're waiting for the inevitable? And the inevitable is market will hit all-time record high somewhere in the future. Well, I think these analysts would make a great football team, a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks. But you also have the uncertainty of the midterms, right? The midterm elections are coming up. I'm already seeing these political commercials are just so unbelievably dire and awful about their opponents. And you, know, you see, you have that uncertainty as well. But typically, and this is historically, when you have a midterm election year, the market is down the first half of the year, but almost universally, it's up the second half of the year. And as Dr. Siegel says right now, you've got good valuations to invest in stocks. Bond yields are the best we've had in a couple of years. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. And Chris, I'll steal your line. You get a greater outcome with income is when you're positioning your portfolio right now, you've got a gift from the gods. And I know it sounds Pollyannish to say that, like, oh, these guys are financial guys. Of course, they're going to tell you to buy. But the reality of it is, if you look at cash flow right now, to your point, Bob, like, I mean, bond yields, we haven't seen bond yields like this in a decade. That's a long time not to see bond yields like this, where you actually are getting a real yield. And dividend yields, I mean, it amazes me, right? With all the negative headlines, dividend yields are going up this year. They're going to increase. That is a natural inflation hedge. If you have a portfolio of investments that pay you cash flow that increases along with inflation, that's a very good thing. You know, it's very simple, right? Not complicated. Well, you know what, Ryan? I was talking to a client of mine today from down in Florida, and she called me pretty upset about you know, what's going on with the world. And she was concerned about her portfolio. And she said, you know, do you think it'd be a good time for us to go to cash? And I said, absolutely not. I said, you know, that's going to hurt your entire plan. And she wanted to know why. And I said, because more than half of your return just comes from those interest and dividends. And I said, you got to remember, we're reinvesting that at low, low prices. She goes, so this actually could be a good thing for me. I said, yeah. Hey, Chris, you know what? I couldn't congratulate that client more. They're absolutely right. You know, there's an old saying is that a stock go stops going up after everybody's in, right? The greater fool theories. That would happen with crypto, right? Cryptocurrency stopped going up when every idiot who you know, didn't understand it had gotten in. There was nobody left to buy. So everybody became sellers. The market's been down and there's been new lows almost every week. And you have a lot of people that have panicked out of the market, a lot of investors. Our clients haven't. And your client made a great observation. Hey, perhaps this is in my best interest, right? So just like when you wait till everybody's in, till the market tops, it's time to sell. Well, hopefully we're close to where everybody's out. All the weak hands are out and the money's going to be returned to the strong hands. That would be us, by the way. Hey, Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you saved over a million dollars for your financial independence plan, and you want a more hands-on approach, you want a second opinion to make sure you're on track, literally every week we'll do a complimentary review. There's no firm out there that will do this all up front. We'll literally go through every investment you own. 
In fact, we'll build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and hone in on every financial issue you need to address, whether it's diversification, is it the fees you're paying in those brokerage accounts and those mutual funds, annuities, insurance products. We'll show you where all the hidden costs are in your portfolio, show you how to reduce that cost, and then optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. We'll give you our full tax playbook. And we're going to look at income. You need an income plan. How are you going to draw from your portfolios when you're financially independent? How do you take Social Security? Well, guess what? There's hundreds of ways to take Social Security, but only one way for you. We'll put together a full income plan, a full diversification plan to show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. This is the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. We have a very special guest on the show today, my colleague, Bob's colleague, Chris's colleague, certified financial planner at Pain Capital Management, star of CNBC. You catch her every week, Mrs. Courtney Garcia. Courtney, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, it definitely makes it better. You know, it's not just the pain boys. We know that. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's great having you on the show and, you know, congratulations. You're literally on TV every week and you're the star of the firm. You know, there's no getting around it. And we thought what we could do today is you worked on a case recently and we thought for our listeners, it'd be helpful to talk about a new case you worked on and just some of the, you know, we like to call pain points that this specific person was having with their portfolio and really how you help them get on their, what we would call path to financial independence. Yeah, we do this quite often where people come to us and they have really a collection of investments, but nobody who's overseeing them, which is exactly what this case was. And they're getting close to retirement. They were a two-income household who actually just recently went down to a one-income household. So they're now, A, trying to make sure that they can manage their expenses. But the bigger thing is they want to make sure that they aren't going to run out of money throughout their lifetime, which I think is ultimately what everybody's goal is who comes to us. And so we really need to sit down and map these things out and make sure that's feasible. And then from there, take a look at their investments to see, well, are you, do you have too much risk? Are you getting enough income? We do a whole soup to nuts, which is exactly what we did for this client. And Courtney, how long are the is this couple away from retirement or, you know, as we'd like to call it, financial independence? We're about three years out for this couple. Okay. So then in the red, red, red zone. Yeah. Well, you know, what I found in my career is that everyone who comes to us, whether they're referred to us or you know, they come knocking on our door. And the biggest question is, am I taking enough risk to achieve my goals or am I taking more risk than necessary? And I found, and I don't know, Courtney, about this case, but what I found with most investors is they take way more risk than necessary, especially when they're within three years of achieving their retirement goals. That's exactly right. I would say probably eight out of 10 times people who come to us are probably taking more risk than they need to, especially if you haven't looked at your investments for a while, because especially this couple, like they've done a really good job of saving, but as they were younger, they had their accounts set up more aggressive and they just never really took a look at it. And so now we're a decade down the line that they haven't looked at their investments and they're invested like you should be when you're in the middle or early on in your working career, not when you're nearing retirement. And this couple specifically is exactly what we looked at, where they're about, I don't know, 75% of the stock markets, which is how I'd want somebody to be who's maybe in their 30s or 40s, not somebody who's nearing retirement. Well, the problem with that is you don't realize you're taking that risk until the market goes down. And that's what you're seeing right now, right? We're seeing a huge correction or downturn in the stock market. And it's like, Bob likes to say this all the time, but risk is only known in hindsight. And now you're like, oh, maybe my portfolio wasn't set up correctly. And that's not something you want to know in hindsight. That's a buzzkill, as I like to say. You know, looking at this case, Courtney, what I see 
is an investor who did a great job of saving. They accumulated, you know, a significant amount of wealth, uh, probably enough, definitely enough to achieve their goals. But it started to get over concentrated in the winters. Now, we had a big booming bull market for 13 years where growth stocks, especially technology stocks, outperformed. And it looks like they had a lot of money there, you know, before you fixed it. Yeah, this year, unfortunately, has been a big wake up call for a lot of people where, to Ryan's point, people are realizing they're too much in the markets. And then, Bob, to your point, when you look at where they're concentrated in the markets, this client specifically was pretty overweighted near big U.S. technology firms, which, again, is something we find pretty commonly because they're all those brand names you think of, like your Apples and your Googles and your Microsofts. So we tend to over allocate our money there. What's happening is this year is a really good example. Those are easily the things that are selling off the most right now as we're in this rising interest rate environment. So not only are they too much in the markets, but what's in the market is really concentrated on specifically the things that are going to hit the hardest this year. And that is why it's just so important to take a look and make sure you are spread out over multiple investments because they have very little inflation hedges in there. Like some of the only things that are doing well this year are energy and commodities. They have almost no exposure. And so making sure as you get closer to retirement, you have a well-diversified portfolio that something is always working is going to be really important. And that's just something that they hadn't set up yet. Yeah, the other thing too, Courtney, is I noticed is, you know, to your point about the fact that they're so heavily concentrated in those tech areas is that they pay little to no dividends. And one of the things I noticed from the proposal you put together for them is that you were able to substantially increase the amount of income that they're getting in their portfolio. That just warms Chris's heart when he sees that income going up. Love income. He loves income. He loves income. But I mean, that's a great point. Because the other thing is, like, how would you even know the risk you're taking? This couple has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven different accounts. And of course, they probably thought they were diversified because they have 11 different accounts. But the problem is when you look under the hood and you look at all those accounts together, a lot of that money is all concentrated in the same place. And you probably don't even know it. You're thinking, I have lots of accounts, lots of different investments. I'm probably diversified. And you're wrong. You're not diversified. You know, it, it's really pays to know how all your money is allocated together. I couldn't agree with that more. And Chris, actually, you bring up a good point because income was actually one of the big important factors for this couple where they wanted to make sure that they have enough income to supplement their retirement without having to draw on their investments. They'd rather just live on their interest and dividends and other income sources. And just by repositioning them, so reducing some of their risk, getting them better spread out, getting them into some bonds that are finally paying some good income, which is the good news of interest rates rising, we're easily able to increase this by almost an extra $3,000 a month for this couple, which is real money, especially when you're going into retirement. Well, especially since you're able to fix the income. My biggest pet peeve when it comes to the financial services industry is they're lazy. And they invest people's money in bonds and bond funds, which are open-ended. They don't have a maturity date. They don't have a fixed rate of return. It's heads you lose, tails you lose, right? If interest rates go up, more money comes in, dilutes your portfolio. If interest rates go down, people liquidate who you don't even know. Kind of like Ryan says all the time, it's like getting in the elevator with 10 strangers who haven't taken a shower in a month. You know, why would you want to put yourself in that position? So I think putting that portfolio where it's fixed in terms of the dividend yields makes it a lot more comfortable when you don't have that paycheck coming in any longer. Hey, Courtney, I'm just curious, when you presented this to them, you know, what was their response? Were they aware of all the risks they were taking? Were they surprised? I mean, how did they take it when you reviewed all this with them? This couple had an assumption that this might be happening, but they really didn't have a way of analyzing it. So they kind of figured, you know, I haven't looked in a while. I have a feeling I'm taking more risks than I need. Had no idea the extent of it and didn't even know where to start, which is common, right? Because you have a collection of funds, but you don't even know where those funds are in the markets or taking them collectively as a whole. Or to Ryan's point, 11 different accounts trying to analyze those all together. So we were just really able to simplify this and just show them in a very simplified form how much risk they were taking, which I think in and of itself is a perfect starting place that really starts to ease some of that mindset for you. 
No, I think it's, it's like an overused term, but holistic planning is what it is, right? You want to have a holistic plan. You want all your investments working in concert because like if not, and that's the problem with our industry, right? It's just like Wall Street loves to sell you what's hot. So invariably, like, and we look at like 50 portfolios a month. We look at a lot of different portfolios and everyone's concentrated in the same place because growth stocks, tech stocks did well the last decade. Well, what did Wall Street do? That's what they recommended for your portfolio. And that's great when it's going up. But we're finding out now it's problematic when it goes down. You know, it's the old proverbial, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And again, you probably don't even know it until now as you're in pain, no pun intended, being our last name, in case you didn't catch that joke, is, you know, essentially that's the problem is you got to look at this stuff ahead of time. You've got to start looking at positioning your portfolio now for the future based on lots of different circumstances. Because as we know, markets and situations, economies, everything changes. So you have to have a portfolio that accounts for all those changes that are going to happen over time. You know, right, it's more than just having a whole bunch of accounts. I mean, you're talking about almost 250 individual holdings here. And I'm not talking about individual stocks, I'm talking about funds, ETFs. Like we know our portfolio like the back of our hand. We study it all day. We watch it all day. We study it all weekend. Who the heck who's not in our industry is going to sit down on the weekend and say, hey, honey, let's sit down and go over our 250 holdings and see how they're doing. I mean, you know, there's just nobody paying attention here. Yeah, and that's a great point, Bob. And I think ultimately it just comes down to step one. You need to take a look at your investments, make sure that you have a plan in place. And I think that's ultimately what really helps these clients is they not only are aware that they can get through retirement without running out of funds, but they also know where they stand now, what steps we needed to take in order to mitigate that risk for them. And ultimately, it's just going to help them sleep better at night because they didn't even know where they stood to the first place. And now not only do they know where they stand, but we have a plan to get them from point A to point B. Yeah, beautifully said, Court. And I think you know the thing there is it's just like when you have clarity about where you're going, it just takes so much stress out of it. Even with the market's down, if you have a game plan, you know what income's coming in, you know, you know we're gonna be drawn from your portfolio regardless of the ups and downs in the market. Like that's the whole idea here is you just wanna take as much risk out or any of the variables that you can take out of the equation and make them constant, the better. And when you do that, it just makes these times so much easier to deal with. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 90, Pain Points of Wealth for over 100,000 downloads. Thank you for the support. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment with anything you want us to address financially speaking. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if it's on YouTube right now, you can click the subscribe button, click the like button, click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. Anyone can benefit from our content. Please forward it along. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this podcast. Thank you for your support. And I hope you're enjoying this episode. All right, gang, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, during the 12 U.S. recessions since World War II, the median decline in dividends paid by S&P 500 companies was just 1%. And five of those recessions, 1949, 1974, 1980, 81, and 90, there was absolutely no decline. And even in the sharpest and deepest recession in modern history, S&P dividends only fell by 3%. Man, dividends are a great inflation hedge. Yeah, they really are, right? But only if you do it right. I mean, if you own an individual company, any individual company can not only go under and go to zero, and besides eliminate their dividend, and that happens in downturns. In 2008, 2009, we saw banks cut their dividend. So if you own an index of investments and your risk is spread across many companies, you're not going to see any big impact on an increase of, or decrease rather of your dividends but doesn't mean that you haven't all clear to just buy the highest yield out there and the biggest dividend paying stock. That may be a red flag that it's in trouble. 
the long story short is you want a diversified stream of income sources that goes up with inflation. Chris, during the great inflation from 1968 to 1983, Bob's hair still looked the same, the consumer price index surged 186% or 7.3% annually over those 15 years, exacerbated by two oil crises that also slowed the economy and increased unemployment. This painful condition was dubbed stagflation. It's uh, two comments about dad's hair in one podcast. I think we should probably proofread this thing before we uh, broadcast. But yeah, you know, and a lot of our clients are saying, you know, things are just like they were back in the 70s, you know, with everything going with inflation. But I think the reality here is that, you know, you've got wages going up. And I think we talked about this earlier in the podcast, inflation will more than likely start to go down. So it may feel like the 70s and the 80s, but it definitely isn't acting like it. Yeah, the music was better in the 70s, but we've got a much better situation economically today. That's probably how I'd sum that up. That's true. And dad did see Led Zeppelin in concert. He's still talking about it. The only thing I'm talking about now is inflation's impacting the cost of my toupee tape. It's really hard to keep this thing on, guys. So it's uh, getting expensive. Looks so natural, Dad. The struggle is real. Courtney, one bedroom apartment in New York City has leased for now $5,000 a month. That's 600 square feet. Whoa. Maybe it has one closet. If you're lucky, if it has one working stove, refrigerator, you and I live in New York, Courtney. It ain't pretty here. It's not. Yeah. And hey, uh, whoever said New York City was dead, clearly they're wrong if rents are going for much this much right now. I actually, I can probably attest to this. I don't know if you remember, but I at one point lived in an apartment that was an old elevator shaft that they trans moved into an apartment. So New York City is used to those small apartments, but it was nowhere near $5,000 back when I rented it. So I think that's just really going to show though how much with mortgage rates coming up right now, people are still willing to rent right now some of these higher prices and they're just not wanting to jump into the housing at such high prices right now. You know, it's kind of like you and Ryan have lived in the weirdest places in New York City. For those of you that don't know, Ryan once lived in a hallway when he first came to New York. It was a good bargain. $500 a month to live in a hallway on the Upper East Side. I mean, he couldn't beat it. So and as long as he wasn't in my basement, I was happy. <laughs> I'm sure your elevator shaft was very economical, uh, Courtney. Probably not, but hey, it wasn't five grand a month. And that seems like what it's going for now. All right, Bob. The iShares MSCI USA Momentum Factor Exchange Traded Fund has dropped 24% in 2022. Worse than the S&P's 18% decline as this recording. Momentum is among the worst performing factors this year, trailing only growth. I thought you buy momentum because it goes up, Bob. I'm confused. Well, you know how momentum works is, you know, whatever goes up the most has the most momentum, right? So this is kind of like the buy high, sell low fund, right? You invest in things that have better momentum, whatever's going up the most right now, but you sell it after it stops going up. So you buy it when it's high, you sell it when it's low, and then you buy what else went up high. No wonder people are losing money. It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard, but no, leave it to Wall Street. Sounds great. A momentum fund. We're going to outperform the S&P. Guess what? Didn't happen. Yeah. As you always like to say, Bob, Wall Street is ordinary people trying to do extraordinary things. And it goes with those environmental funds as well, right? We're finding out what a fraud they were, which we called on this podcast a year ago, by the way. Anyway, if Wall Street can charge you more money, it's not pretty out there, folks. Well, listen, a great show. I usually say gentlemen, but since we have Courtney here as well today, I can't just say gentlemen. Courtney, great to have you on the podcast. We'll have you on again and check out Courtney every week on CNBC, giving you the latest on what's going on in the economy, the markets. Just awesome. Great to have you, Court. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And if you like our podcast, you love our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, give us that like, then click the subscription button and that notification bell so you can be updated every week of our new content. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. 
You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh, 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 oh,